The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Hey everyone, as promised, here is part one of the virtual town hall that we did on the topic of how to have difficult conversations about race. A lot of people have been asking for this for weeks and they have been waiting patiently uh, for it. So sorry for the delay, but we're excited to get this to you. Now here in part one, this is the prepared portion. This is where I was sharing my thoughts and giving some actionable tips. And then in the next three videos, what you're going to get is the Q&A portion. And these questions were fantastic and this is what made the the presentation take so long because that's what pushed this over three hours so right now we're going to do the prepared portion and then keep an eye out for the next episode coming out tomorrow with the q a so we have denise from new york city donna from oh this is going fast <laughs> my goodness um south carolina philly um i saw chicago um columbus great California, Ottawa. Hey, we have a Canadian in here. That's great. Arizona. Um, this is incredibly fast. Another one from Philly, Lancaster, Wisconsin, Spain. Hola, amigo. Como estas? Um, that's great. That is great. Um, Floyd from Columbus. I saw somebody from, from Target who works at Target. Great. Navid. Hey, from Columbus. Sue, I see you always. Uh, Joyce from Dayton. Great. Uh, Nebraska. Nice. Corn Huskers. Another one from Nebraska. There we go. A lot of Columbus folks. Um, Maine. Maryland. New York. Hey, Scott, I see you in here. Thanks for coming. Bill. How's it going, Bill? This is great. Seeing some familiar faces. So we're just shy of 500. Give people a little bit more time before we get started. Like I said, we have, we'll give people one more minute. It's 12.04 and then we'll get started. Hey, Shanae, good to see you. Hilliard, too. So, Ohio, representing. That's fantastic. Good deal. And I see Elizabeth Moon, the words to support colleagues and bring us all into community. Fantastic. Looking to support our students from UC Davis. Great. Here to listen and learn. Fantastic. Oh, Deborah Merritt, Professor Merritt, thanks for coming. Um, fantastic. Great. All right. Good. We are just a little bit shy of 12.05 and then we'll start here. It's fantastic to see so many people from all around the country and the world. We have the, the person from Spain too. Uh, I can't see LinkedIn right now, but, um, but Catherine is monitoring all of the chats. 
too. Will this be recorded? Yes, it will. So uh, my uh, my podcast editor has his work cut out for him <laughs> because uh, this is probably going to go pretty long. But yeah, we'll find the best way to to distribute this after the fact because it's going to be a pretty hefty file. Because um, uh, again, I'm pr planning on this going pretty long, but um, it's definitely going to be chopped up into smaller pieces, and I'm going to put it on my podcast, negotiate anything podcast, and then. Um, if you, I'll give you later on, I'm going to give you a gift. And if you get that gift, then you'll also um, get access to the replay too. So we'll, we'll figure it out. But yes, it will be recorded. Long story short. Great. Okay. 12.05. Everybody seems to be hearing me, which is great. And um, let's just go ahead and get started. So here we are. We're all here to talk about how to have difficult conversations about race and justice. So first, before we start, I want to thank you all for coming because if you're here listening to this, that tells, you, that tells me something very, very important about me. It tells me that you are a person who actually cares about what's happening in society today. It tells me that you're a person who actually wants to improve upon your skills in these difficult conversations in order to have a positive impact, which is great which is great. So kudos to you for taking that step. And so let me tell you a bit about why I'm here. Okay. Um, and I want to tell you a story. So my cousin, he's a soccer player and he was playing in the semi-pro league. And he told me this really, really funny story. So one time he said uh, he was sitting on the bench. He was frustrated with the way he was playing. And one of his friends got in a fight with, a with the, somebody on the other team. And um, the bench is cleared. And he was the only person on the team who sat on the bench because he was just so frustrated with the whole situation. So he sat on the bench. He didn't go and defend his teammate. And so he said his coach, after the fact, came up to him and yelled at him. And, his, and he said, listen, next time one of our teammates gets in a fight, you're fighting too. We're all fighting, <laughs> right? And so that was the approach. That's what the coach said. And so the next time the, a fight broke out a couple games later, uh, the bench is cleared and my cousin looked to his left and looked to his right and he saw that again he was the last person on the bench and he said all right I guess I'm fighting now and so I feel a lot like my cousin in this situation because if you're on my mailing list or you connect with we connected with me on LinkedIn you saw that I was intentionally trying to stay out of this and it's it's because this hurts this is a difficult 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 topic and so for those of you who don't know, my background is um, outside of academics, so psychology degree, master of public policy, law degree. When I first get, came out of law school, the policy degree was what I focused on. And so I did civil rights work. So I traveled the country talking about race equity, um, either in healthcare, dealing with infant mortality, or just in criminal justice fashion. And so the thing is, after doing that for so many years and being exposed to such such darkness in our society, it just burnt me out, emotionally just completely burnt me out. So I completely disconnected. I remember I went over a year without even looking at the news, just not even looking at the news. And anybody who posted anything about current events on social media, I unfollowed them. And um, it, was, it was a tough time. And so I was trying so hard to stay on the sidelines. But then my wife challenged me. She said, listen, if you are the, the difficult conversations guy, it, it, it doesn't look credible if you're sitting on the sidelines when people around the country are having these difficult conversations. And so that's what pulled me here. 
And so my motto, as I'm sure you've heard a number of times, the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. So for me, my goal is to empower people to have the skills and the confidence to have the difficult conversations that are meaningful in your life too. And so that's why we're here, because we recognize that there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between the world as it is today and the world that we want to have. And one of the key things that we can do in order to, to create that society that we want is to start to have those difficult conversations. And so that's what we're here to do today. So my goal is very, very simple. I just want to give you some concrete tools that you can use in your difficult conversations. I'm not going to be academic. I'm not going to be theoretical. I'm going to give you some robust, tangible tools that can help you as you're having these conversations. So my vision is that immediately after you leave this webinar, you can actually go into the community and have these conversations with your friends, your family, your colleagues at work, and start to make a difference. That's the goal. So this is the structure. The structure is one gift, three tools, and Q&A. And so I'm going to give you all a gift that can help you in these conversations. And then I'm going to give you three really tangible tools that you can use to actually have these conversations. And then we're going to have a question and answer session. And so in the Q&A, you ask me anything. And um, Catherine's going to take those and put them into a, a Google document so I can actually read it slowly because like we saw at the beginning, these things are coming really, really fast, your, your, the chat messages. So just keep those questions coming and I'm going to stay as long as you need me, right? And so I don't, I, I had to clear my calendar for the, for the afternoon because again, I thought this was going to be small, but I feel like I'm going to be here for a while and that's okay. I want to be here for you and be a resource for you as you're having these difficult conversations. So just a quick thing, with, with this approach, with the presentation portion of this, um, I'm going to be targeting two broad audiences. And so these, it's going to be the people who are currently taking action and then the people who haven't taken action yet. And based on the, the preliminary research that I've done, just on in, in the comment section of LinkedIn and for people who have emailed me, most of the time, what I'm seeing is that the people who are currently taking action are often people of color, and then people who haven't taken action yet are often people who are white, who are struggling to make that transition into actually contributing because they're not exactly sure how to do it. They don't know what to say or what to do. So we're going to offer you solutions there too. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. 
When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So each audience is going to get one key to success. I'm not going to overwhelm you with uh, any complexity here. You're just going to focus on one thing. One thing, because I know that if you focus on that one thing, it's more likely for you to actually execute on it. And so this is the most important part of this presentation, okay? This is about you, it's not about me. And so every time you think of a question, whether or not we're at the Q&A section, put it in the chat. Catherine is monitoring the chat and she's collecting these questions as we go. And so I'm going to try to get to everything eventually, that's the goal, but don't wait to the Q&A to put the question in the chat box, all right? Save your spot in line and put the question in now. And so here's some ground rules, okay? Because I'm expecting, I am fully expecting a, a vibrant chat. So this is what I want you to do. Assume the best of intentions. Assume the best of intentions. If somebody is here, most likely it's because they want to improve and improve society. So ultimately we're all on the same team. But in doing so, sometimes we say things that are offensive that might hurt people inadvertently, okay? So just assume the best of intentions. I don't want uh, to have wars in the comments here. Um, also help each other. So as I'm making some points, if you have insights, share those insights in the chat for everybody to see. If, I ask, if somebody asks me a question and I'm answering the question, again, contribute because it's not just about me. I'm not, I'm not the answer here. I'm not the expert. I just want to be a resource, but I certainly don't have all the answers. Okay. And so let's also address the fact that we could get zoom bombed. So zoom bombing is, uh, there are attacks from outsiders who want to interrupt the conversation. So again, Catherine is monitoring the the chat. And so she's going to remove people who are bad actors, but we have to be, we have to almost anticipate that, but don't engage because they're trying to distract us. So don't let them distract you from what you came here to do. Okay, so let's start off with a gift, okay? And so this is a free guide, how to have difficult conversations about race and justice. And so of course, in this presentation, you're gonna get a lot of tools. You're gonna to learn what to say and how to say it and those type of things. But when it comes to the actual specific conversation that you're having, it's going to be challenging. And I want you to be able to start to think strategically about the way that you approach it. And time after time, again, when you think about negotiation studies, um, what we find is that the people who prepare the most are the people who do the best in these difficult conversations. And just simply preparing will help you. So I want to give you a very simple, easy to use guide that you can use before the difficult conversation. So example, for example, if you're at work and you have a meeting with your manager to talk about what your company's response will be to the situation, you can go look at that guide and have a, a, a plan of attack for the way that you're going to handle the conversation. It's incredibly helpful. So I suggest that you get the guide. And then also, if you want access to the replay, if you get this guide, we'll email you access to the replay after the fact. So if you have friends who wanted to make it but couldn't, give them this link so they can access the guide and then access the replay as well. Okay. So let's start off with a tool for those who are actively engaged in these conversations. My goal here is to help you turn that the passion that you have into persuasion. So how do we do that? The tool is focus. That's it. Very simple. The tool is 
focus. I want you to control your focus during these conversations, before, during, and after the conversation. So what does this mean? What are we focusing on in these conversations? First, I want you to focus on yourself. The first person you need to worry about right now is yourself. Because think about my situation. When I was doing civil rights work for about three years, I was constantly engaged in these conversations, focusing only on the community and what I can do to better the community. And it led to burnout. I wasn't very mindful about my own emotional needs. And because of that, I, I burned out just emotionally, just psychologically, just fatigued. And after that, we, we lost a potential asset because I was out of the game until today. Until today, it was what, four years, five years? And so without, without engaging in this content, and so you, you are an asset in the cause. But if you try and force yourself to continue to engage, continue to engage, continue to engage to the point that you start to break down, then, then what benefit are you to the cause? What benefit are you to yourself and to your family? We don't want you to break down. So you need to be mindful of your emotional limits and make sure that you don't break down in the process. That's the first thing. I, I, when, when you think about an athletic trainer, Oftentimes they think about the trainer in terms of how you get the athletes stronger. How do you prepare them for, for the, the rigors of the sporting event? But one of the main things that the trainer does is protect the athlete from injury. Because if the athlete's injured, the athlete can't perform at all. They cannot perform at all. You are the athlete. Protect yourself. Okay, so that's the first focus. We want you to focus on you. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that in addition to our usual negotiation and conflict resolution focused trainings that we do for corporations, we also have added content focused on how to have difficult conversations about race. And so what we're doing is we're blending my background in civil rights along with my background in negotiation and conflict resolution to create a one-of-a-kind training that is customized for your organization that helps you get through these difficult conversations. If you're interested, make sure to check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the episode. Next, I want you to focus on your goal. So I'm specifically focusing on your difficult conversations. What is your goal? And now remember, and, and this is coming from somebody who typically thinks really strategically about these conversations. I'm a, I'm a business lawyer. I'm a mediator. I'm thinking about how we can be as persuasive as possible. That's my mindset. But we also have to think about the fact that sometimes in these conversations, it's, there's not a specific outcome we're going, to, going for. Sometimes it's just to share our frustrations, to vent. That's a legitimate goal. That has value. So I don't want to diminish that. But I think it's clear, it, it's important for you to get clear on that before you have the conversation. Because it can be really frustrating and challenging for somebody on the other side if they're trying to have a conversation with you and maybe they're trying to move towards solutions, but you're not in solution mode yet. You're, you're venting your frustration. So I think it would be helpful if you are clear with the person on the other side, if you're in that venting mode, so they can just listen. What I need for you is just to listen, right? Um, but if your goal is to actually inspire change on the other side, if we're trying to change the hearts and minds and behavior of people on the other side, then that might, not might, that will require a different approach. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit further here in the conversation. Now focus on the other side. 
what is it that they need? And so we're in, in this situation, what we're doing is we're focusing on our audience. They talk about it all the time when, we, when we're talking about persuasion and um, communication in general, you have to know your audience. So what are their needs and wants? More specifically, what are their barriers? Because if you're trying to move them, that means they're currently in a position that you, we don't find desirable. So in order to be able to create a path to persuasion, we have to understand what barriers they have on their end. Why is it in particular that this person isn't doing what we need them to do in order to move society forward? So the more we understand them, the more we empathize with them, the more effective and persuasive we will be. Okay. And so again, it's, it's hard sometimes, especially when we're focusing on this difficult situation to focus on our needs and our emotions. But if we want to be persuasive, it requires us to think critically about the other person so we can craft a strategy for our conversations with them. And next, and I think this is a very, very, very important one. We want to focus on accountability, not shame. And so I think sometimes people have an approach that is a little bit too soft. We say we don't want the other person to feel bad or anything like that. And, and that's not necessarily the case. When I think about the times when I've been held accountable for my behavior, I didn't particularly feel good about that. But there's a difference between holding somebody accountable and triggering shame. So we want to focus on the accountability, but not trigger shame. So when we trigger somebody to feel ashamed, make them feel bad about who they are, not necessarily what they did, but who they are. Now, what happens is they recoil. When somebody feels shame, they pull back. They're no longer engaging. And so instead of engaging in the conversation and wrestling with these difficult issues, the person says, man, every time I, feel Kwame, I, I talk to Kwame, he makes me feel like I am less than every single time. No, I'm not going to engage. But still, you need to hold people accountable but not trigger shame. It's a very fine line. And again, when you focus on your audience and you pay attention to the way that they're responding to what it is that you're saying, you're going to start to recognize, oh, people are responding negatively in a way that is detrimental to the cause. Maybe I should adjust my approach. So pay attention to that. Accountability, not shame. And next, focused on, focus on impact. And so the question you need to ask yourself is, how can I have the greatest positive impact as a result of these conversations. And a lot of times, one of the, 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 one of the main reasons why we start to break down emotionally is because we try to solve the whole problem. We're not going to solve structural uh, racism, institutionalized racism, out, like by ourselves. That's going to take a lot of time. But what you could do is you can talk to your colleague and get them on board. A lot of times what we're trying to do is recruit allies, because the more allies we have, the more effective we're going to be when it comes to promoting the cause. And so we want to focus on where we have the biggest impact. So the things that we want to focus on are first our family, who in our family can we recruit and, and mobilize, then we focus on the workplace, what's happening around us in our job, are we recognizing there's a, a lack of diversity in the, the higher strata, uh, higher levels of the of the organization. If that's the case, then we need to do something. That's some place where we can have impact. And then we want to focus on our community, the community around us, our city and our state, and just our, our neighborhoods too, right? So we want to be able to think about how we can focus our impact to make sure that we're actually moving people forward. Um, uh, you'll see the image here, this chess. I'm a 
I'm a big time chess nerd. I have uh, I've logged over 13,000 games in on chess.com. I think it's it, at this point it's more of a pathology than a passion really, but the reason I like this image is that it chess is all about positioning. Chess is all about positioning. I'm not positioned in the same place that you are, and you're going to be positioned in a different place than somebody else. So the strategies that you implement to maximize impact is going to be different. They're going, they're going to be different from the people who are differently situated, right? So you have to ask yourself, given my unique positioning in society, where can I have the most impact? Then you start there and start having these difficult conversations. And so I want you to focus on persistent positive pressure. Okay. And so when I'm saying persistent, positive pressure, let's break these things down. First of all, persistence. A lot of times when we come up with these arguments that we want to have during these uh, difficult conversations, or I should, I shouldn't even call them arguments. I don't want to frame them as arguments. These difficult conversations, when we're having them, we underestimate the amount of persuasive capital and time it's going to take to move somebody from where they are to where they, we want them to be. It takes time. So we have to be persistent. A lot of times what happens is we try to persuade somebody, it takes longer than we think, and then we get frustrated and we might either quit or we might start to shame them for not seeing things our way, right? So we have to be persistent and positive. And so when I say positive, this doesn't mean that you protect them from discomfort. I mean positive in terms of we're trying to move them in the right direction, right? We have a positive goal and we're pushing them in that position. And pressure is a little bit of discomfort. And so you say to yourself, well, Kwame, are you suggesting that I trigger some discomfort in this, these conversations? Yes. Yes. So sometimes you say to yourself, okay, well, I can't display how upset I am in these conversations. Um, I need to pretend to be kind of like happy and friendly or something like that. If that's not how you're feeling, you don't need to play like you are. Okay, that's inauthentic and inauthentic persuasion doesn't work. And so what I'm what I am saying is when we're applying positive pressure, we're moving somebody in the right direction. So think about this. So imagine you, you have a friend who is on the precipice of making a very, very, very bad decision. What have you done in the past? You've told them multiple times about your concerns. Okay, and you keep on doing that until they adjust their position. You want to, to make sure that you've been heard. Same thing with us. Sometimes we've been on the brink of making bad decisions and there've been friends who have been persistently having conversations with us. And then eventually we say, oh, thank you. Yep, you are right. And we move. Did we, did we like how that felt when the person was constantly talking to us? No, we didn't. But it didn't change the fact that ultimately it was persuasive. So I want you to be persistent in your positive pressure. But again, it's a, it's a matter of degree, right? We don't want to push people too far, but we want to at least keep on pushing over time. Okay, so now we're going to shift focus. These, this is a tool, a single tool for those who want to be engaged, because I hear it all the time. Hey, Kwame, um, I want to be engaged. I want to have these conversations. I just don't know what to do or what to say. And so I don't say anything or I don't do anything. I feel like I don't have a voice in this. And so here's the tool that you used. Do something. Like anything. <laughs> just do something. So a lot of times we overthink this, right? And that, that staying in perpetual thought is really a manifestation of fear. We're afraid of getting engaged. We're afraid of saying the wrong thing and offending something, somebody, 
right? And so we, because of that, we let that fear hold people back. And so if you look at my LinkedIn post uh, that I made today, I, I said, it's my one thing. This is a challenge that I have for people. Just do one thing. Just think about one thing that you can do in order to move our society forward toward a more just and inclusive society. That's all I want you to do. So if you're doing nothing right now, your goal is to do something. And by posting this and letting people know what it is you're going to do, no matter how small, you're moving things in the right direction. And so that's what I want you to try to do today. Commit to doing one thing to improve the situation. And then you know what you do tomorrow? You commit to do another thing, right? So it starts with one thing, and then tomorrow you do your second thing, and then it keeps on growing and growing and growing. And now you start to develop positive momentum. So over the time, over the course of the year, you can look back and say, you know what? I wasn't doing anything at the beginning, but then now looking back, I've had an impact. I've had a significant impact. So do something. That's what I want you to do. So focus on this again. How can I have a positive impact at work, at home, and in my community? That's where I want you to focus on. So those three areas, that's where you should start. So imagine this. So this is my family. This is Dr. Whitney Christian and uh, my son, Kai. And um, I, I always try to include them in my presentations because they make me look better. <laughs> so, so imagine this. So imagine if I come home one day and Whitney and Kai are sitting in, in the middle of the kitchen, just in tears, just bawling in tears. And I look at them and I see their pain. And then I go and I sit on the couch feeling really awkward. And I say, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't understand their perspective. I don't, I can't do anything. So I'm just going to do nothing. How would that look? What would they think about my, my lack of action there, right? Think about that. How would they, how would they perceive that? That's the question you have to ask. So let's think about it. So best case scenario, they'll think you're indifferent. Go back to the scenario I gave with, uh, with my cousin, who where his teammate was on, in a fight during this uh, soccer match. He just sat there and let his teammates fight without engaging or trying to, to, to protect them. You're not even going to protect me. You don't care. That's best case scenario. Best case is that you're indifferent. Worst case is that you're complicit. By not seeking to change an unjust system, you are protecting it. Because if we're trying to move towards an, a, a more just and inclusive society, what that implies is that right now, the society that we have is not as just and not as inclusive as we need it to be. And in order to move things forward, we need to generate some positive inertia in the right direction. When it comes to maintaining the status quo, it's not that you need to actively do something to protect it, but by doing nothing, you are almost complicit in protecting it because the status quo requires nothing to protect it. All right. So keep that in mind. And so you have to realize the perception of your inaction. So if you really care about the people in your community who are struggling right now, you have to do your part in making it clear, not just through words, but through action that you actually care about making the society better. Okay. So keep that in mind. 
Now I'm going to give you a simple but powerful tool in having the difficult conversation. This is something that I use all the time personally. This is something that you can use at work or at home. So if I'm doing trainings for big companies who are negotiating multi-million dollar contracts, we start with this framework. If I'm dealing with, uh, if I'm having a training for um, community organizers who are just trying to recruit people or nonprofits that are trying to stay alive with donations, we use the same framework. When I'm at home with Whitney and Kai and I'm having these difficult conversations, I use this exact same framework. It's powerful and it is nimble. So you could use it in any conversation. So this framework is called the Compassionate Curiosity Framework, and it's from my book, Nobody Will Play With Me, How to Use Compassionate Curiosity to Find Confidence in Conflict. And um, just a fun fact for you all, I'm going to rebrand the book because I realize that people who know me will say, oh, nobody will play with me. That's Kwame's book. I know he's a negotiation guy. Um, but people who don't know me, they, they're in the conflict resolution section. They're saying, um, I don't need playground tips here. I'm looking for a, a dispute resolution advice here. So I'm going to change it to finding confidence in conflict, how to negotiate your way to a better life. So um, this is what the framework is. Compassionate curiosity framework is just three steps. Number one, acknowledge and validate emotions. Number two, get curious with compassion. And number three, joint problem solving very, very simple. And it's intentionally simple because I know that most likely if you're in a difficult conversation, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to feel emotional. It's going to be tough. And so I want to give you something simple that you can actually remember during the conversation. So let's go through the steps. But before we do, I want to, uh, to ask you a question here. So here's a quote. There's no point in sending a message if they're not psychologically ready to receive it. Before we move on, any guesses? on who made that quote. Who do you think said that? Any guesses? I'll actually pull up the chat and see what people say. Martin Luther King, Donna. Nope. Good guess, though. Good guess. Let's get one more. Freud. Ooh, you're close. You're close. Baldwin. No, Maya Angelou. That's the closest one. It is me. I said it. <laughs> that's my quote. I just said it. <laughs> All right. So let's go through the steps here. So step one, acknowledge and validate emotions. And what we're going to do here, keep it simple, is we're going to say it sounds like or it seems like. If we identify an emotion or even sense or, or see the specter of an emotion on the, on the horizon, we let them know that we see it and we acknowledge it. It sounds like you're really frustrated in, about this situation. It sounds like this really, really bothers you. It sounds like this really hurt you, right? Or on the other side, it, it sounds like you're, this is really awkward for you to have this conversation. Or it sounds like you're not really sure what to do or say, right? So whatever we recognize on the other side, we acknowledge it and we move forward. Because a lot of times what we do is we try to go straight to logic and facts and points and reason, uh, but the person isn't emotionally ready to handle that. They're not in a place where they are, are emotionally capable of processing the information. So before we go there, we need to make sure that their brain is psychologically ready to receive it. And this is a great way to circumvent some potential emotional barriers that we might run into. The next step is getting curious with compassion. And so with this, what we're going to do is we're going to use open-ended questions to learn more about the situation. And so we're going to try to use questions that start with who, what, where, when, and how. We want to, as much as possible, avoid questions that start with why, because why is often associated with judgment. 
because think about it with i'll use kai as an example when he does something inexplicable like spills something that was securely on the table my first question is like why did you do that why and so for our whole lives it has been associated with judgment and when somebody feels like they're being judged or criticized in these questions uh, they're going to pull back and they're going to have an emotional response so usually especially when emotions are up really high i try to make sure that we don't uh use the the question that starts with why and so the goal here is to try to engage the person, learn more about their situation, and then slowly start to pull them in our direction by asking these open-ended questions. And the reason I am, I am very intentional about using the word compassion here is because it helps us to moderate our tone. Because if we can be curious, I mean, a cross-examination is curious, right? Um, but people typically don't respond well to being cross-examined. And so we want to make sure that our tone is in the right place, because if it is, then they're going to be more willing to engage and share information and let us know how they feel. And the next step is joint problem solving. So when you think about it in, in a classic negotiation or conflict resolution stage uh, sense, this is collaborative negotiation. So we've overcome the emotional barriers. Then we've taken the time to learn from the, from the other side, and now we're going to work with them to come to a solution. Sometimes all we do is we stay in number one and number two because there is no solution. We're just talking about how we feel, and that's completely okay. But let's say, for example, if you're in the workplace and you actually want to change something, now we need to trade some proposals and figure out what makes sense to actually come up with something concrete. And the thing that we need to remember here is commitment. We have to try to get as much commitment as possible. All right. So let's give an example. So one of my friends sent me a text last night and she said, hey, um, I'm going to have to have a difficult conversation tomorrow because my job, all they did was they made a very uh, uh, sanitized statement and they put out the statement and they said, this is our position as a company. And right now, almost, it, it seems as though that's the baseline response. This has become the new industry standard. Hey, cover yourself by at least saying something, have your marketing team, craft this message, and then you're good. And so she said that wasn't enough. Just saying something wasn't enough for me, so I'm going to have to engage. And so this is how you can use the compassionate curiosity framework in that situation. So you could say, it sounds like you don't feel comfortable doing more than just making a statement, engage in the conversation. Usually when you hit on the, uh, the emotional burden barrier that the person is feeling, um, then they're going to share more. They feel safer, so they share more. Yeah. They see me, I'm going to share. So then you move on into compassionate curiosity. Um, fun fact, if you start off a question with out of curiosity, for some reason, it softens the blow. Um, they feel a little bit less uh, threatened by it. And so you say, out of curiosity, what's the strategy behind limiting, uh, limiting our response to just a statement? And then you say, if we do just a statement without actually doing something, what impact do you think it would have on people of color within the office? And so now you see how initially what we're doing is we're acknowledging the emotion and we're trying to genuinely understand where they're coming from. And then we start to change the questions to a more persuasive nature. Because oftentimes when we try to tell somebody something, they resist that direct um, uh, uh, declaration from you. But if you ask them something, they feel as though they came to the conclusion themselves. And it's a lot more of a direct method of persuasion. You're going to run into fewer barriers if you do it that way. And then you transition into joint problem solving. Once you gather that information, what more can we do? Now we're transitioning to commitment. And I would suggest offering suggestions at this point. Well, we could do this. What do you think about that? 
oh, you don't like that? Okay, how can we tweak it to make it work? Those type of things. Now we're engaging in that collaborative negotiation to actually figure out what the commitment is going to be going forward. So that's what you can do at your job. And now let's look at the other side. Let's say um, I'm, uh, I'm a white person who wants to support black colleagues, but I don't know what to say. Be open and honest with that. Be vulnerable with them. Let them know, just say, this must be difficult for you. And I could not imagine how you feel. Honestly, I don't know what to say, but I want you to know that I'm thinking about you. What can I do to be supportive? So here, we're not even transitioning to the, uh, to the uh, joint problem solving yet because we don't know if that's what the person needs. We're gonna allow them to lead the conversation and see if they actually want something to happen. Then we can transition into joint problem solving. But for now, all we're doing to show support is acknowledging the emotion and then taking the time to, to say, listen, what can I do to be supportive, right? That's it. And that goes, that goes wonders. It works wonders in these conversations. So with that, I want to remind you again, make sure you download the guide. If you want to get access to the replay, download the free guide at americannegotiationinstitute.com slash justice. You can get that free guide on how to have these conversations so you can think more strategically about it in, in the workplace and you'll get access to the replay. So tell your friends if they, haven't, if they weren't able to make it, they can get access that way. Also check out my podcast. It's the top ranked negotiation podcast in the world. It's called Negotiate Anything. We don't just talk about business stuff. We also talk about just any type of interpersonal conversation where you're trying to be more persuasive. And then my chief operating officer, Catherine Kanapke, she has a podcast too. It's called Ask with Confidence. It's focused on women in difficult conversations. And please note, men, that this podcast is not just for women. If we really want to be advocates and allies in creating a just and equitable society as it relates to um, gender equity, we have to be well-versed in that and we have to become more aware of our blind spots. So make sure you check out that show too. And so before we transition into Q&A, I want to say this. Listen, you can do this. These conversations, yeah, for sure they're hard. They are definitely hard, but this is something you can do. And so if you use the framework and use these tools, you can, you'll start to see a lot greater impact in the conversations that you're having. Your success is going to go up and you're going to find that you're able to accomplish more in these conversations while offending less, right? So this is a really, really powerful framework. And it's, you just need to make small tweaks. There's nothing complicated about this approach. This is definitely something that you can do. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.